Welcome back, everyone, in our series about God's revelation to us with His Grace, uh, Bishop Yusuf. Last time we finished chapter 13. We'll start chapter 14 today. Hello, Sayyidna. Chapter 14 starts talking about a little bit of a different theme, joyful theme, that we see the 144,000 with God and they are in heaven and singing a new song. First, the number 144,000 keeps repeating in the book of Revelation. We may have touched on it before, but we would like to uh, remember again what this means. Yes. Uh, first, I'd like to make it clear that there is a confusion about this number. Many people say these are the children of Bethlehem, mm. whom uh, Herod killed. But if you think about Bethlehem, it's a very small village, and uh, if you have 144,000, two years and under, this means it's, it's a village with a huge number of people. Right. So it is impossible that the 144,000 are the children of Bethlehem. So what is the meaning? This number is a symbolic number. It is not a literal number. And the symbolism is the Church of the Old Testament represented by the 12 tribes of Israel. So these are 12. And the Church of the New Testament represented by the 12 uh, apostles. So these 12. So 12 by 12 Wonderful. is 144. And number 1000 means they have the heavenly mind, the heavenly life. As St. Paul said, our citizenship is heavenly. So when we read this number, it's about people from the Old Testament and the New Testament who lived here on earth, but with a heavenly mind as ambassadors from heaven to, to the earth. So that is a symbolic meaning of the number. But the literal number, nobody can number it. Then in verse 3, it talks about they sang as it were a new song, and then not everyone could learn the new song except those ones. So. Singing in itself is a symbol of joy. St. Paul said in his letters, if anyone joyful, let him sing. So singing means it is uh, they are joyful in heaven, because heaven is the place out of which grief, sorrow, and groaning have fled away in the light of the saints. The word new, because there is no aging in heaven. Mm. Here on earth, everything is aging. But in heaven, everything is new. Mm. So the, the, the joy is renewed, if I'm going to use the word every day. <laughs> the, the, the joy is renewed always and continuously mm. in heaven. And um, before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders, meaning just being in the presence of God and seeing his glory and also reflecting on how God make us participate in his glory, participate in, in his uh, uh, kingdom. Uh, this will bring us joy just when you stand like a very, very, very beautiful scene or very beautiful icon, it, it will bring a joy to your heart. How much more there is no comparison here between a beautiful scene and a beautiful icon 
with standing before the throne of God and seeing the four incorporeal creature and the 24 elders, you know. So this actually filled them with joy inexpressible. Mm. So uh, now they are singing and chanting to God in a continuous, uh, renewed joy always. Then in verse 7, it says that there was an angel that had an advice for the people who are still on earth. And I feel this advice is very important. We would like to hear about uh, what it means when he said, fear God and give glory to him. Actually, it summarizes how we should live our life. He said, fear God, number one. Number two, give glory to him. And explaining to us why for the hour of his judgment has come. And number three, worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. So we are required to do three things, to fear God and to glorify him and to worship him. Many people actually, when they live their life, because we don't see with our physical eyes God, and we take the advantage of our free will and the love of God, so we forget to walk in the fear of God. Although the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of the wisdom. Many people conduct their life as if there is no judgment, there is no accountability. So here an angel is giving us advice. You need to walk in the fear of God. Mm. And in the divine liturgy, actually, the church several times instructed the people, for example, stand up in the fear of fear God, God, worship God in fear and trembling. So fear of God, this will protect me from falling into anything. The second advice is to glorify Him. Mm. Glorify Him means everything we do, it should at the end it has a goal to glorify God mm. because we are created for Him. We are created to fulfill His purpose. For example, if um, an owner of a company hired somebody to work for this company, so this person should work to glorify the company mm -hmm. for the glory right. or for the best interest of the company. Right. And St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, he said, whatever you do, whether eating or drinking or doing anything else, do it all for the glory of God. And any Christian actually should keep this in his mind. Any activity I do in my life, and here I, I like to address a very important point. Many people separate their life into two lives. Mm -hmm. Life with God mm. and life, you know, away from God. For example, when I'm studying or working or having fun or playing with my friends or, or whatever, in my mind, this, this not, uh, has nothing to do with God. The time with God when I pray, when I read the Bible, when I come to the church, when I serve in Sunday school, whatever, that's my time with God. Mm. That's why many people ask a question like, you know, our life outside the church distracts me from my life with God. So this is split into two different lives is not right. Because all my life is for His glory. Mm. Whatever you do, as St. Paul said, eating or drinking or doing anything else, do it all for the glory of God. 
So here the angel is reminding us with this, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. The third instruction, God is our creator. He created heaven, earth, and everything on it. So since he is our creator, it is befitting, it is right, it is the best thing to be done is to worship him. Mm. We're created to worship God. That's why he said, and worship him who made heaven and earth and sea and springs of water. Many people also forget this. For example, when we start our day, any Christian should, when we wake up, you know, he worship God. He, he prostrate before God at least three times to the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit mm. because he is the one who gave me a new day. Right. But we, we forgot, yani, when we wake up in the morning, maybe we greet our parents, we greet our spouses, we greet our children, but that we don't offer God the worship that's due to him. Mm. That's why in sincere liturgy and St. Gregory and St. Basil also, we say it is meet and right to praise you, to worship you, to hymn you. So here the angel, especially before the judgment of Babylon and the fall of Babylon, He's giving instruction to uh, everyone on earth. Do you want to join the 144,000? Mm. Okay, here the three instructions. Fear God, glorify Him, and worship Him. Yeah, that's a beautiful advice, I think. It's a good summary. So, two more things in this chapter that we would like to talk about. The, the idea of the sickle and the wine press. So when there was an angel with a sickle at the end, uh, what does that mean? As the Lord Jesus Christ said in the parables, Parable. that at the end of the day, God will send his angel in order to harvest the earth. Hmm. So here uh, we see a white cloud, right. and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, hmm. which is our Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. Mm. So this sharp sickle represents the angels or a symbol of the angels mm. that God will send them to actually harvest, uh, harvest uh, the earth. So um, how about the wine press when um, we see it in verse 19 and 20? Yeah, the white cloud first means a pure judgment, a righteous judgment. Mm. Uh, it is not unfair judgment, but it is righteous judgment. Here it's about the judgment of the wicked in this verse. So here uh, an angel came out from the altar who had power over fire, and he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the cluster of vine of the earth. Mm. And he called them vine of the earth, mm. because these are the wicked people. So their work, the, the analogy here is like the vine, grapes. So he will sickle uh, these grapes, uh, but it, these are earthly, not, mm. not heavenly. Mm. And then after he gathered the vine of the earth, as we read in verse 19, he threw it into great wine press of the wrath of God. Mm. So the wine press represents the wrath of God. So they will be squeezed, they will be going through difficult times, doing hardship, 
uh, that's the fair judgment of God. And here uh, we go back to the advice in verse 7. People who forget that God is, is also our judge and he's a just judge and will give account for our deeds, whether good or bad. Because many people, especially in our contemporary time, people, they don't like to speak about the wrath of God or they speak about punishment. They only, just they want to focus on love of God. But if we focus on love of God and we forget that he is also a just judge and he will give each one according to his deeds. This image actually is not a true image. It's not the image that God revealed to us in the scripture. And uh, I think Satan is trying to convince us with this image. So at the end, we can live a loose life because once there is no accountability, I'm gonna live a, a loose life. So here, no, these people will be going through difficult, there's one praise, difficulty and hardships. Sometimes these hardships or one praise will help them to repent and return to God. And God will accept their repentance. Mm. If not, then that is their fate. Thank you very much, Sayyidna. Uh, thank you, everyone. This was chapter 14. We'll see you again next time with the next chapter.